Hey, welcome to the Lifehouse Newport News podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our vision is to bring life change through Christ to all people. And we believe that happens when people say yes to Jesus. Do life together, get in the game and leave a legacy. If this podcast inspires and challenges you to grow in your faith, subscribe to ensure you don't miss a single episode and share it with someone you know who may need it too. Again, thank you for joining us today. Now, let's get to this week's episode. So Christmas at Lifehouse, this whole month of December has been centered on this word, hope. We talked about what hope is, how, how hope sometimes doesn't, doesn't or, or basically how hope can sometimes look different than what we think hope should, should be. And last week we talked on how you can be a hope, a, a hope giver. And today, though, I want to talk to you and simply begin with this question. What is the source of your, of your hope? Honestly, whenever you think of a source, I think of, of something where something gives, or here's the thing, right? How something gives life, where something flows from. So whenever you think right now, right, you might be hopeless, right? Because honestly, probably some of, some of you right Right now, if you were to say, or if I were to ask you the question, hey, on a scale of one to 10, how much hope do you have? Some of you would probably say zero to three. And you would, you would be like, you, you know, you would, you would almost say you're hopeless. Or you would possibly say, and you would, or you, and you would even admit that you have a false hope. And whenever I say a false hope, what, what I simply mean by that is, is you know what you are building your hope on is fallible. It's failable. Meaning that with the current of kind of whether it's the stock market, whether it's, whether it's the political climate, whether it is the vaccine, whether it is a relationship, you would say the hope, the, and, and hope is simply this, you looking forward to the future with joy, you would say that your hope is built on something that can and probably will change, which then would put you in the position of kind of being on a roller coaster ride in your life. But today, I, I simply want to, I felt like with this, Chris, you know, with this, this Christmas season and we're celebrating Jesus today, I want to, I want to present to you what can be the source of your hope. Here's, here's, here's the thing, right? I have been in church for 20 years, and I have had kids in church for about seven years, right? And the thing is this, right? Whenever you ask them, whenever they get home from kids' church, you always say, hey, what did you learn? And kids get smart. Kids, they'll always say, I learned about Jesus. Well, yes, Jackson. I get the fact you learned about, but what did you learn? And the fact is they're like, we learned about Jesus. And Jesus becomes the answer to everything, right? And, and then, right, it's like, did you have fun? Yes, yes or no. What did you learn about Jesus? Okay, Jesus and fun. Those are two good, 
Good things. I can take that, right? But, but honestly, sincerely today, I would be lying or leading you adrift if I did not just say, hey, look, the source of your hope as a follower of Jesus Christ, and if you are not a follower of Jesus Christ today, my prayer is that you would start to follow him. The source that we have as a follower of Jesus Christ is Jesus himself. The source of your hope as a follower of Jesus Christ is not a good teaching, it's not theology, it is Jesus himself. Now the thing is this, right, this hope is built on what Jesus said about himself. And some would call this like, you know, egocentric, this, some would call this arrogant. I call this Jesus just simply saying, look, I understand how, how the world works. I understand that the temporary and fallible things will fail you. So Jesus was clear about himself saying, let me tell you who I am and what I can be in your life if you allow me to come in and be that and be the source of your hope. This is what Jesus said about himself. He said, I am the good shepherd. In the book of John, the gospel of John, the writer John points out seven different I am statements that Jesus said about himself that basically summarize the human capacity to feel and the human capacity to want. And one of the things Jesus said, he said, I am the good shepherd. It's essentially saying, if your soul feels lost and your soul needs care and your soul needs, needs, needs tenderness, Jesus said, I will be the good shepherd for your soul. Jesus said, I am the living water. He said, if your soul, if your life feels like you are in a drought, like you are parched, like, like you are dry, the things you try to quench your life's thirst with are not filling it, Jesus said, I can be that living water for you. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Essentially, what he was saying was, is that if you feel hungry inside, if you have been, been eating things that have not been satisfy you, and you're not content, and, you're, and, you've, and, you've, and you've got this feeling inside of you that you need something more, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Jesus also said, I am the light of the world. If, if, you, if your world feels dark right now, and, 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 and you would characterize your life as walking around in darkness, and you're trying to find your way, Jesus said about himself, I am the light of the world. Jesus also said about himself, I, I am the door, essentially saying, if you want access to God, I am the way you get it. Jesus said, I am the way. If you feel lost, you're trying to find your way, Jesus said, I am the way. And Jesus finally said, I am the resurrection and the life. If, you're, if your world and your life feels like death, he said, you invite me in, and what I'll do is I will resurrect you, and I will be the way of life. What Jesus is saying here is, what you need, I got it. What you're looking for, I can fill it. He said this in, in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, verse 28 and 29. He said this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your what? Souls. And isn't that where you want rest? That no matter what you're walking through, you're good inside? Are before God. No matter what someone calls, calls you, you are content in your soul knowing who you are before God. Your soul longs to find a place where in the midst of the storm, you find the center of it and you can be secure and you can be whole and you can rest. I love what John Bloom says. He says this, the simplicity of Jesus' promise is both striking and refreshing. 
Jesus doesn't offer us a fourfold path to peace, giving enlightenment like Buddha did. He doesn't give us five pillars of peace through submission as, as Islam does, nor does he give us 10 ways to relieve your weariness, which we pragmatic, self-help-oriented, 21st century Americans are so drawn to. Unique to anyone else in human history, Jesus simply offers himself as the universal solution to all that burdens us. Jesus says, I want to be what you need. I want to be the source of your hope. And today I really felt like what, what I wanted to do was to tell you why Jesus can be the source of your hope. There's millions of reasons, but I want to give you four. And typically I, I've got three. So you, are, so you are getting a buy one, get one today. This is a BOGO message. Three, nope, I got four today. And the people being really loud down front are laughing because they know what... Because they know what typically happens, right? But let me tell, tell you this. In Psalm, in Psalm 103, 2, it says this. David said this, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his what? Benefits. I believe sometimes we forget what following Jesus, how it benefits us. And just how sometimes we can always think of just heaven. Well, I'm going to follow Jesus so I don't go to hell. I just, you know, a get out of hell free card. When that is not why Jesus came to earth to be born. He came to give you life eternally and life right here and right now. In your soul, he says, bless the Lord because I don't want to forget his benefits. And that's what I feel like I want to do today. I want, I, I want to remind you of some benefits you have. It, as you put your hope, as you, as you have Jesus as the source of your hope, I want to remind you today of what some of those benefits are. Benefits is, I don't think that's a word. I just got excited. Okay, here's the first one. No one made the, pro- nope, that, that's not it. The second one. Confidence monitor is not giving me a lot of confidence, so I'm going to go to my notes. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, here's, here's the thing, right? The first one's this. Nobody knows you the best yet loves you the most like Jesus. Nobody knows you better than Jesus yet loves you the most. And let's just be candid, in this fake Instagram, Facebook world that we're in, where everyone posts their sports center highlights and how good they are and how great they are and how great their family life is and how great they are at working out. <clears throat> I'm sorry, I do that sometimes too. Or how, what kind of food they're eating. Just, just like so many things that, it's just, it's just like, aren't, aren't you great that God's, that, that honestly Jesus sees through all that to who you really are, what you're really feeling, what you're really walking, really what goes on, really what you feel towards, towards, towards that person. And his first inclination towards you is not to judge, it's not hate. His first inclination is to love. I love David. He said this, I can never escape from your presence from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the furthest oceans, even your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. And what David is simply saying here is, God, you know me like no one else. You know every thought, you know every word, every action, but his first inclination was, here's, here's, the, here's the thing, you are fully known by God, yet fully loved. And if that doesn't give you a rest in your soul, because let's just be honest, y'all, that's what we're literally, like when we go from 
relationship to relationship to relationship, what you're searching for is someone that will see the real you yet love the real you. And you think getting naked in a bed is going to do that. You just think, well, do you know what? I'm, I'm sorry. This is Christmas. I probably shouldn't talk, talk that, that way. No, but, uh, but honestly, what your soul is searching for is someone to love you for who you are. And a benefit you have and what you can have as, as you make Jesus the source of your life is you have a God that sees you for who you are. But scripture says this in Romans, in, in Romans 8. It says, and this is Paul talking about the love of God. He says, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced. And this is a guy that killed Christians. Death nor life. A guy who murdered followers of Jesus. I am convinced that neither death nor life, angels nor demons, the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither the height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I wonder how many of you today are putting your hope in somebody to fill a void that only God can. And you keep going from relationship to relationship, looking for someone to love who you are, to see who you really are, and to love who you are. And the first place that God, that, that God begins is not with guilt, it's not with condemnation, it's not with shame. Where God begins is with love, and he goes from there. He begins with acceptance. But he loves you so much not to keep you the same way. You are fully known and fully loved. Secondly, though, nobody, the second benefit, nobody can empathize with you like Jesus. Empathy is such a powerful word because what you're doing whenever you say, see, see, sympathy and empathy are different. Sympathy is, it's, I feel so sorry about what you're going through. I'm just so sorry. That sucks for you. God bless you. That is sympathy. But let me tell you, empathy is different. Empathy says, I want to come and actually get in your shoes and experience what you walk through and what you go through. It's not I feel bad. It says I want to actually be in that thing with you. I want to not just be at, a, be at a distance and feel sorry. It says I want to get close and know exactly what you're walking through. And if there's anything that symbolizes Christmas, this is it. Em- empathy is getting in somebody's shoes. And what I love about Jesus and what the benefits is and what this truth teaches us is that we don't have a God that just barks orders like I said. Just do this because I'm better. Because you need to live up to this standard. No, no. He said, I want to come and actually experience. Hebrews 4 said this. It says, for we do not have a, a, a high priest, a God who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every. I looked up that word Every in the Greek language that it was written in, and that word literally means every. What a powerful, though was tempted in every way, just as we are, yet did not sin. You know, if you are tempted, that's different than sin. Some of you think even having the desire or feeling is sin, but it's what you do with that feeling or desire that can make it sin, or you can become stronger for resisting. But it says that Jesus was tempted, and I mean, I just think of the, insane ways that that could go in every way so i think jesus when he was talking with people that were not that were not now don't call me a heretic or anything like that i'm I'm just what i get out of it like jesus wanted to hurt someone could just just 
imagine being on the cross, being crucified by people you created, and knowing at any moment you could say a word and have fire rain down on you, on them. But he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Just think of, I mean, you know, but it says he Me too. There's power in those words, me too. I know me, I stutter. So whenever I, whenever, whenever I meet someone else stutters, it's, it's like a, I'm like, I love you, and I don't even know you. Man, you know the struggle. You know, I mean, I mean, I mean honestly, I was out driving, uh, what was it called, Uber one day. This, this was probably, probably about five or six years back. And, and, and this guy got in the car, and we started talking, chat, and I could tell he stuttered. And, and I was just like, do you stutter too, bro? <laughs> and he was like, yeah. And it was like right then we became friends because we, ha- because we had a me too moment. Somebody understood your struggle. Somebody understood what you were going through and feeling and walking through. But that's what you get with Jesus. You get a God that says, you feel like punching that person? I felt like that with those dang Pharisees. Oh, you've had your best friend turn your back on you in the moment when, it, Matt, when you needed them the most? Peter. You have a God that says, me too. And how much of a benefit is this? Because you know what this does? Empathy validates what you feel. Because some of you try to suppress what you feel. Well, I just don't even want the desire. Uh, uh, and you feel even bad for having the desire. But y'all, that's what sin does. We have a sin nature, and sin nature has no boundaries. You, it, it, like, are you some, some of y'all just amazed at what y'all thought? And what y'all have wanted to do? That is the power of sin, but at the same time, that's the power of the gospel. That's the power of what Jesus did. He says, I just don't want to sympathize. Oh, you poor people that feel that. He said, no, I'm going to get down, take on a human body. That's what we celebrate at at Christmas time, one of the greatest benefits. And how Jesus can be a source is he knows what you walk through, what you're going through. He's been tempted in every way, yet did not sin. Next, no one has the power that Jesus does. And typically when you think power, you think of like someone that's zapping stuff and, you know, that's, that's turning water into wine and healing people and, and stuff like that. But, but at the same time, what I, what I gained from Jesus being, being powerful and, and in control is Jesus offers you a kingdom of following him where you are not control, controlled and ruled by worry. When you are in the presence of a powerful person, someone that's so powerful they could call for people to come, they could call for armies, they could call for resources, they could call for food, at, at their command stuff happens. When you get into their presence, you, your worrying ceases because you know whose presence you're in. And one of the greatest things Jesus offers us is taking control and power out of our hands. And offering us a kingdom where we say, I can relent, it's above my pay grade to control, to worry. This is one of Jesus' main 
messages in the, in, in, in the Gospels when he was describing what is it going to mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to be in the kingdom of, the kingdom of God? Matthew 6, 25 through 27, Jesus said this, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Hold, 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 hold up, John. You know, I don't think Jesus really meant that. We're good at, we're, we're good at watering down Jesus' message. I'm the best at it, so I'll, I'll just throw it up. Well, I mean, does Jesus really mean like not even could be concerned? Like when my child, like when I couldn't find my child at Bush Gardens, when he was three years old and we, we lost him for 10 minutes, that 10 minutes felt like 10 years, and he was playing with ducks. So just, hell, do not worry about your life, right? I was worried. I was anxious, but no, here's the, here, here's the thing. There, 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 is, there, there, there is a difference between being consumed and led by worry and having a genuine concern. That's a fine line that as followers of Jesus, we have to figure out because each person's different. Some, some of y'all need to care more. Because honestly, some, some of y'all are control freaks. So anything that, that doesn't happen, you're like twitching. And you got some people, they are like, well, you just care at all. Well, you just give a rip. And where, where I think Jesus is always, Jesus is always in the middle. Where was Jesus crucified at? In the middle. Jesus was what? Between God and man. He was the what? M- mediator. He was in the, he was in the middle, and where I believe we fall into this of we aren't controlled by worry, yet we have a God-like concern for what matters. And you've got to find what that is for you. Find where do you go? You don't care enough or, you're, you, you're, or, or, you, or you care too much. And come to the center and say, God, I want to meet you so I can inherit a kingdom of not worrying. But then Jesus goes, goes on. He says this, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink. About your body, what you will wear, is life not more important than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can, have, can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? I think we just need to stop right there and say that was God's word for someone right here. You, you could go home. I'm just, I'm just kidding. Please don't go home yet. But honestly, that one question, can any of can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? What a powerful statement by Jesus. But then he goes on, he says, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. What you inherit as a follower of Jesus Christ and the benefit you have is you enter a kingdom where you don't have to be controlled and consumed by worry. Lord, I pray you'd get that truth into them. Lord, we need you. Okay, last, lastly. Nobody gives you security like Jesus. Now, some of y'all think security means like in, you know, home or, or, or like a physical safety. I think sometimes we forget, we pray to a God who was murdered and who was consistently on, on the run, not because he did the bad thing, but because he was doing the right thing. Jesus is not safe, y'all. I've even, now, okay. I've even in somewhat stopped praying that 
praying that over my kids. Not that I don't want God to keep them safe, because God, please, but at the same, same time, I want them to understand that following Jesus will have risk. And if all I'm trying to just do is just to keep them safe so they don't feel any uncomfortableness and they don't have any sort of, it's like I'm not preparing them to be a follower of Jesus. Because you see that Jesus, Jesus was God, like Jesus' life is the example that shows us what it will cost many times to do the will of God. And I know that's not sexy to say on a Christmas Sunday. But it's, but it's the truth. The kind of security Jesus gives you is in your identity. We live in a world that's trying to find its identity. Is it what I, self-identity, it's just like, where do I glean and get who I actually am? Is it what I do? Is it my vocation? Is it my bank account? Is it my net worth state, statement? Is, does my value come by how beautiful my body is or does my value come through my sex through my sexuality does my value come because of what someone else says I am and we have an identity crisis in our world right now and it's because this is not going to be very politically correct it's because we're looking too far in instead of looking up and looking to the one that actually created us and, and instead of looking in and saying who am I we need to look up and say God who do you say I am you are the creator. You know my ins and outs. You, you know me. So God, I want to frame and shape who I am according to what you say because you are the creator. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says this, therefore, if anyone, ever, everyone say anyone. Anyone is in Christ. The new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. Let me tell you what Paul is saying. You're in Christ. You become a new person. Now you're going to say, John, I don't feel new. Well, that's, well, that's your physical body. Because honestly, when Jesus comes and he saves, saves, saves and, and, and he saves you, he begins with your spirit and your heart and your soul. And what he does, he changes who you are with God. You, you are no longer a sinner. You are a saint. You go from being an enemy of God to a friend of God. And the great thing is, is this is not based on what you've done, how good you are, how much you've given to the church, how many good acts you've done. This is simply done through something you can never actually do. This is done because Jesus came into the body. It's what we're celebrating today. We're celebrating that Jesus came. He lived a life you could not live, a perfect life, died the death you should have died on the cross in your place and for your sin, rose and defeated Satan, sin, and death, and because he rose in victory and defeated death, death itself, he's got the power then to say, "I want to give you the life that I bought and that I that I earned, and now you have the right to actually experience it." And that's what my prayer is today: that we will not just celebrate Christmas, that you would actually experience it, experience the new birth, experience the new life. Tim Keller explains ex, explains it well. He says this. Because unlike either traditional or secular culture, a Christian's identity is not achieved but received. My God. That's what makes Jesus, that's what makes following Jesus differently. Different. You don't do good things so you can achieve a certain place with God. You receive a new identity from God, and because of who you now are, you now act and do things differently. 
Other religions and belief systems say, do these things and then you become saved. Jesus says, you are saved, therefore now go and do things. It's changed from the inside out, not the outside in. And y'all, that is why this is such good news. Okay, let me, let me finish this quote. When we ask God the Father to accept us, adopt us, unite with us, not on the basis of our performance and moral efforts, but because of Christ, we receive a relationship with God that is a gift. It is not based on our past, present, or future attainments, but on Christ's spiritual attainments. Y'all, this is such good news. Your identity with God is safe and secure, not because of what you've done, but because of what Jesus did. I love what John 1, 12 says. He said this, yet to all who did believe, or yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Hebrews 6, 19, the writer here is talking about the hope we have in Jesus. He says this, we have this hope, this hope from Jesus as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. As a source for the soul, we can have a hope that isn't based on what someone else says, what you have, what you do, what you haven't done, what it's firm and secure. Your identity is secure. You enter in the kingdom of not worrying. Do y'all hear and do y'all see how good of benefits these are in following Jesus? Can we all stand up? We're gonna close today. And simply the final question is this, is Jesus the source of your hope? These things that I described, these things that I said, would you say these are things that, that you would say about you? That you are, you know, it's just like, is Jesus, I, I, I just wanna ask, is Jesus the source of your hope? Thank you again for joining us today. If you need prayer, have any questions about what you just heard, or said yes to Jesus for the first, second, or third time today, please reach out to us at lifehousenn.com or text 757-690-2401. We'd love the opportunity to pray for you and help guide you through the next steps in your faith journey. In the meantime, we hope you'll join us online next Sunday at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. at lifehouseonline.com or in person for a live worship service at 8.30 a.m. or 10.15 a.m. at the Regal Kiln Creek Theater in Newport News, Virginia. Visit LifehouseNN.com for more information or to reserve your live worship service spot today.